This is from the New Testament. It's Romans 12, 9 through 16. We're going to use this as our context. Um, before we get into it, though, I just kind of want to give you some background. Um, Paul was writing this letter to people who came from a, a very different background. So he had a mixture of Jews and Gentiles who um, culturally didn't really get along, saw the world very differently, didn't necessarily like each other. But there were people from those two groups who were really coming to follow Jesus Christ and becoming Christians. Okay? And so, they really had, a, had to find a way to get past themselves, to get past their backgrounds, to strive for unity, to help one another out and get along. So that's kind of the context of who he's talking to. Um, we all have limits on our love, right? I mean, let's admit it. I have a limit on my love. I'm only willing to love so much. I hope that expands as I get older and I grow more in my maturity. But we all have limits. It's easy to love our family. Now, if you come from a really bad family, that doesn't make sense to you and that's okay. So hopefully have that make sense to you in a different context. But if you come from a pretty good family, you enjoy your parents. My parents, they lived out in Missouri for so many years. They now live in Phoenix. And I'd only see them once a year maybe. And I loved it, man. When I would see them, it was great. We'd see them. It'd be like, Mom and Dad are here, you know, and kind of get spoiled a little bit. They're paying for dinner when you go out to eat. And it's just kind of nice, you know. And there's just this comfort, you know. There's just this peace. And then they leave and go on their way, and you miss it a little bit, but you realize you have your own life, and you get on with it. So the idea is you want to try to develop a familial love with other people. So if I can get this thing to work. Um... Let's see here. First he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. All right, the word love here is the word agape love, all right? It's a non-emotional love. It's not this like, ooh, I love you, floating through the air, you know? It's not Cupid struck you with his arrow type of love. It's a love based on principle, okay? It's loving because it's right, and it's exactly what the person needs. Hear that. Love based on principle, loving because it's, loving because it's right and it's exactly what the person needs. Now, he throws that word, that agape love, into a context of a sentence that says, love must be sincere. Um, the actual literal Greek translation for that sentence is, love must, I said love must be sincere, is love without hypocrisy. And the word, the Greek meaning of the word hypocrite is like someone, it's, like, it's used for like an actor who puts on a mask to, to display emotion of a character he's playing. So basically it's like you don't want to fake it. So we kind of have a conundrum here, right? We have this idea of loving without emotion, doing things that are right and principle-based. What do you think of when you think of that? You think, oh, it doesn't matter how I feel, I just need to do what's right and, you know... Fake it and pull up the bootstraps and do it. But at the same time, he's saying don't fake it. It needs to be sincere. So we'll talk about how to kind of fit, how to, what's the answer to that as we move on. Um, in verse 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So Paul is really urging us to kind of tap into that familial love. To love one another in the same way that you would love your brother, your familial brother. 
He doesn't want church just to be a social space, even though it is. It's a social space. But he wants you to work towards familial love. All right? Let me give an example of this in my own life. Nice airplane flying over. Um, first, I thought it wasn't my microphone. That's why I'm bringing attention to it. All right? So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, years ago, uh, we, were, we were moving from one house to the other here in Riverside. We're going to a church. We just kind of started going to this church out in Diamond Bar, Church in the Valley. And uh, we were all set to move. We had the moving truck rented. We had the day all set up. Everybody knew we were coming. Everybody knew we were leaving. Had people were going to help us from our new church. We had some cousins helping too. And then suddenly my wife's uncle dies. Okay? Sudden young death. It was very tragic. She needed to go. I was going to go, but we had this move scheduled for that weekend. So what are we going to do? Well, first we thought, maybe I just won't go. Well, someone came up with the idea like, hey, you guys go. We'll move you for you. They took on our responsibility and moved us. We came home. Matter of fact, we came home the day they moved. We came home that that night. And we were moved. It was great. (laughs) I recommend it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was great though, but what it taught me is our new church family, and even some real family, but you know, cousins, not like mom and dad and brothers, had decided to love us in a brotherly way, in a familial way, take on our responsibilities and help us in a time of need. And it was a big eye-opener to us. I just wanted to illustrate that point. He continues on, honor one another above yourselves. Some versions read it like this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Um, this is cross-referenced with Philippians 2.3. This says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. The key idea here that I want you to get is you wait to be served, you wait to be honored, you wait to be considered as you take action to serve, show honor, and give preference to others. I'm not really wanting to answer for this, but think about it. If everyone in this room, everyone in your family, everyone in your group of friends, if you and your spouse, if you're married, showed honor to you, showed preference to you, served you, and you, in, in the same, did to them first. You know, what would happen? You'd all be taken care of, right? We would all be taken care of if we did this. Of course, that's all ideal. That's a little perfect community that I'm describing there. Something to work towards. But the idea is you do that first as you wait to be served. It's kind of like the old phrase... Um, Sometimes in marriage relationships, marriage partners get stuck because they're seeking to be understood rather than seeking to understand. I think you can emphasize or understand what I'm saying in that. But when one person breaks the cycle and seeks to understand, what typically happens? The communication begins to flow again, right? Rather than the butting of the heads. But when both people are trying to get what they want out of the relationship, it's just the continued headbutting and nobody's getting what they want out of the relationship. So that's what he's saying. Honor one another above yourselves. Um, in these next set of verses, 
Paul tells the church, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. All right, that first part. Never be lacking in zeal, um, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Here he kind of shifts away from like how we are to be towards one another to kind of some attitudes, some interpersonal attitudes, some character qualities about who we are and how those are a blessing to the community. Have you ever been around people who have these values, who have these attitudes? Have you ever been around people who really set the thermostat of a room in a really positive way or a really negative way. They come in and they just set the thermostat. Attitudes really mean a lot to community, right? This is more, he's talking more about just like, hey, setting up chairs for one another. Hey, bringing meals over for one another. All that, that's all really important. He's talking about that. Or, hey, helping someone with a move when their uncle dies, you know, like... He's talking also about our attitudes and who we are as people and our very being is a breath of fresh air to one another in community. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. I remember when I got serious, me and my wife got serious about walking with God, we decided we realized if we were going to grow, if we were going to be impacted by the kingdom of God, if we were going to grow in our faith as a Christian, we had to get around people who were practicing Scripture in a very real way. And let me tell you, it made a huge difference. It made a huge difference to know that people who were patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, who could be joyful in hope, serving the Lord, boy, it rubbed off. It was like that nice, cool glass of water on a hot summer day. It breathed life into us. Um, if you've ever been in like a small group or you've been on a ministry team or, here at church, you'll know those, there's those couple people. Sometimes it's just the leader. Sometimes it's the leader and some other people who really kind of help set the culture and set the pace for driving the group forward. These are those people. It's the people who've really like taken on the scriptures into their daily lives. Um, verse 13, he shifts back to responsibility of each other to the community. He says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And this is really where people's needs in the community become a concern of ours. Now, the problem is, is how do you figure out when people need to carry their own weight or when we help them? It's kind of a hard thing. And the scripture does have a lot to say about this. We're not going to fully go into it. But I will give you a little help. Galatians 6, 5, Paul writes, For each one of us should carry his own load. All right? Now he also says, in uh, Galatians six, he says, "Carry each other's own other, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ." So let's explain the difference here. Okay, I'm a backpacker. I like going backpacking. I haven't been in a while because my foot. I had surgery, but when you go backpacking, you have to you carry a backpack and you have all your supplies. For, for life, for sustaining life. You got your sleeping bag, you have your food, you have your water purifier, your stove, you know, you got a tent, all these things that you need to sustain life, okay? They're your responsibilities, you carry them on your back, 
you don't have a little guide that you know carries your stuff for you, unless you're really wealthy or something. But um, you know, you carry your own load, you set up your own tent, you cook your own food, you pump your own water. I mean, you may share and help each other out, but the idea when you go with a bunch of buddies is that you're going to carry your own weight. You know, unless you're taking your kids, you know, you're not planning on carrying somebody's backpack for them. Okay, so that's kind of the idea. Like, we have responsibilities in life. We've got to go to work. We've got to put food on the table. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to pull the weeds. We've got to mow the lawn. We've got to raise our kids. We've got to develop careers so we can do all that. There's a lot of responsibilities we need to bear. So we need to be responsible and faithful with that. The Scripture can really help you with doing that. But there are times when the load becomes too heavy for different reasons. One, it could be is suddenly you have a bunch of rocks in your backpack. I don't know why you'd have rocks in your backpack, but you may. And it's too heavy. Or let's say you're out in the middle of the wilderness and you break your leg. You're going to need some help, right, getting out of there? Somebody's going to have to carry your pack and probably carry you a little bit. Let's say you violently turn ill and you need to get out of there. Somebody's going to have to carry your pack. And maybe carry you. Somebody's going to have to pump your water for you and give it to you. Somebody's going to have to help you. We find ourselves in debilitating circumstances sometimes. We find ourselves due to either you know disability or catastrophe or all kinds of different situations. We find ourselves and we find our friends in situations where they meet those kind of circumstances. And we need to help them. We also sometimes, life just throws us a lot at once. And we haven't acclimated to it yet. We have some friends at a real church who went from no kids to triplets, okay? And um, uh, they, I, I saw on Facebook this morning, they must have went to the beach this weekend. And they had this uh, wagon thing. It was like this full-on train of like these little buggies that each kid sat in, all right? I mean, it looked like it was really big on the pictures, and they're lugging it down like these really long pathways down to the beach. And I'm thinking, man, why don't you just go to like Huntington or something? Like, they went to Crystal Cove and they're going down this big old hike. And, um, and I was thinking, ah, oh, it just made me stressed for them. I was thinking, boy, what an ordeal. Like, you can't just get up and go to the beach. You've got to like think of this whole infrastructure of equipment that has to come with you. And never parenting a kid before and suddenly you have three. You know, I mean... Believe me, they're carrying their weight, but they've also been given some help. People help them out. Their church community helps them out and um, because they need it. I mean, that's a lot. So, does that kind of help clarify some things for you? Uh, for us, personal il- illustration for that is, is years ago, um, I was worked for this window cleaning guy for about seven years, and I went into, uh, decided to go into business with him. So after seven years of this great working relationship, we lasted about five months as a partnership. And it was a horrible situation. Uh, I lost a lot of money on it, and uh, suddenly our family went from a decent income to no income to being very behind in a very quick period of time. Now, we worked very hard, Okay. And we had a lot of people helping us kind of dig out of that hole. And we weren't perfect in the whole thing. But people helped us financially for a short period of time. Because the burden was too great for a period of time. The hole was too deep. We couldn't even see the top of it. We needed a little help. And you know what? People gave us money. Our church, family, 
took on our burden and helped carry it. And it was a real humbling time. I'll admit it. It was hard to let go of that burden. But it was to the point where you're just lying on the ground because you can't carry it. And when someone does pick it up for you, boy, it sure is helpful. And it helps you become a person who's willing to help someone later when you've been helped like that. All right, look at these next set of verses. Paul talks about our reactions to others, both in the church and even outside. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those. Bless bless them, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. All right, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rather than calling out a curse on your enemies, pray for them. Pray God would bless them and he'd work in their lives. I mean, we're not really used to calling out curses on people, but we're sure used to holding grudges, aren't we? Getting angry. I know I am. Kind of secretly wanting harm to come their way. You're okay when they get fired. The, the people he's talking about here, the enemies he's talking about here, are people trying to kill them, persecute them. We don't really have that in our society. We have people trying to hurt us, but not always trying to kill us. So I think it, it's a tough verse. All right, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible. You've heard of the message. And it kind of says it like this. It reads it like this. It says, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Um, I work as a grief counselor for a hospice. And one of the biggest, it's interesting. One of the things I always ask people when we have a new member to the group is I always kind of let people go around the room and say, why do you come to this group? One is I want to hear. And then two is I want them to share with the new member, you know, maybe why this is important. And of course, you know, as a group facilitator, you always want to thank because of the healing waters of the therapeutic group that I've provided. You know, this is why they. Uh, but really, what you want to know what the biggest complaint is? You want to know the number one reason why people come to these groups? And and they've said this over and over and over again because no one will listen to me anymore about my grief. Your family and friends are good for a few weeks, and then they're done. That's what they tell me. That's a secular group. You know, this isn't a Christian-based group. It's a secular group. But they say their family and friends are done listening to them after two or three weeks. And nobody really wants to hurt, hear them talk about their pain. And so they need some place to talk about it. And so they come. Now we do more than that. but So, understand. If, okay, I'm going to take a little sidestep out of my sermon here real quick. A little sidebar. Let me give you one piece of advice. And this is only because I work in this field. So many people have no idea what to do when someone is hurting from the loss of a loved one or loss of any anybody. So we stay away from them, right? Or we come in with all the answers, we're going to fix it. Or all the cliches. They're in a better place. They're not in pain anymore. 
If you do nothing at all, and just sit there and listen and probe and let them talk, if they want to, you've done a lot. And you continue to show the ability to be a, an ear that is willing to pay attention to their pain, you've done a lot. You don't even have to say anything other than, so tell me what's going on. So tell me what's going on. So back to the message. Um, let me contrast this a little bit more for you. Um, two experiences in my own life. You know, I had the birth of my daughter my son 12 years ago and 11 years ago. Okay, um, And then we also had a stillbirth, Lainey. She died about 23 weeks or so, 22, 23 weeks. And uh, we delivered her and it was a very sad, horrible time in our lives. A lot of you were present during that. A lot of you walked through that with us. Um, it's interesting. The support we got was very similar. The first one, people came and rejoiced with us. We had a new baby. This was exciting. Cody, our worship leader, had a new baby. It's exciting. He's off today because of that. We need to rejoice with them. They might even need a little help with some meals and stuff like that. Our small group had a shower for us to encourage us on things that were growing in our character. Things that were, you know, maybe some help we needed. They gave us some supplies, you know, they gave us some baby gear. It was great. People brought us meals so we didn't have to worry about cooking for the first week. It was awesome. It was a time of celebration and a time of help. Then the other contrast, Lainey, our baby that died. We were sad. People came and encouraged us. They listened to us. They cried with us. They read scripture to us. They provided financial support to help with burial expenses and things like that. Our church put on a little memorial service. It was a great time of grieving and being able to just express that loss and rejoice in, in God during a time like that. As a community. They also brought us meals. So two very different experiences, same, same group of people, same help. Now you might be saying to yourself, ah, oh, Scott, that's you. You know, you, you know Josh and Erica, you moved out here and you get to preach sometimes and you know, you're, you're on the advisory team. And yeah, you're right, but I wasn't always that. And it's not because of that. I'll tell you, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you a quick piece of advice. I urge you, I urge you, I urge you. If you crave this kind of community, be this kind of community. Plug in to a group. If it's here, great. If it's not here, find a church that you can get up, get behind and plug in. Make a real investment of your life. Start practicing these, these things with the people. Start practicing the scripture. And you will reap the rewards of it also. God will take care of you. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Live in harmony with one another. This is hard. And remember, he's talking to people who come from very different backgrounds, okay? We really have to work at being unified. 
We really have to learn how to get along with people who may not be our people to hang out with. We all have people, these are our people. We feel really good hanging out with these people. I have those people. But we need to expand our strike zone of people that we can relate to. And let me tell you, I promise you, I have been, my heart has been changed on this so many times, I promise you that you have no idea the kind of people you can be friends with until you try. Life is a precious gift from God. Each individual is important. No matter their strengths, weaknesses, quirks, or their background. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not think too highly of ourselves. This whole passage can really help you with your relationships. It seems really hard though, doesn't it? Let me encourage you on one thing. Earlier we kind of talked about this problem we have, so let's try to unify it here real quickly. We need a love without emotion. Love for what's right, but we don't need to fake it. How are we to do that? Well, you're not really going to be able to do it very well. Let me tell you how you can do it. The first two greatest commandments in the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. The first one is really intended to be our power by loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. For really understanding what that means. For understanding the grace that's been given to us. For understanding... Who, where we stand with Him, who we are with Him, and really developing that relationship, that relationship becomes a, a source of power, a source of love that overflows out of us and allows us to practice these things with others. I cannot value people unless I have a reason to value them. He has to give you that reason. He has to give you the strength to do this. So you need to start there. Um, I really want to encourage you. We're going to go ahead and have the band come up right now. We're going to have the um, ushers get ready to accept the offering. We're going to go over our next steps. The next steps are on the back of your connection card. I want you to go and flip those over right now and look at those. Um, And first of all, just a word on offering. Offering here, we're a... um, member and regular tenor supported church so we really appreciate your tithes and offerings and uh, if you came prepared to give there's envelopes in there for you you can go and pull one of those out and uh, begin filling it out and then put it in the offering basket also your connection cards can go in the offering basket um, but if you're a guest just no pressure on this okay just enjoy the service you know maybe fill out your connection card and put it in there but don't worry about the offering but let's go over the next steps um Sign up for a small group today. That's number one. I really urge you to consider this. Not many spots left, but we will make a waiting list and we'll try to make it work. Okay, so really try to do this. This is a good form for you to practice all that we've been talking about today. It's not going to happen just like, it's not like, we don't want to set these things too high for you and say, if you sign a life group, you're going to get all this we've talked about today. Now, if you all apply all we talked about today, you're going to get it. Um, 
Number two, determine to be a pace setter in loving people in your small group. Number three, go out of your way this week to meet someone's need. It might just be you just need to listen to someone. Someone that you don't like listening to at work. Maybe they need to listen to you. Or maybe you need to meet a real need. Maybe you need to give anonymously to somebody. Maybe you know someone who's in need and you need to give anonymously to them. So let's go ahead and um, pray and then we'll receive the offering. Um, dear Lord, we just love you. and We thank you for the, your grace, Lord, and what you've done in our lives, Lord. Lord, this world can be a hard place to live in. Sometimes relationships can be tough. Uh, we're sinful people, Lord, who are saved by your grace. And Lord, we know you want what's best for us. And you know you want what's best for our relationships, Lord. So we pray, Lord, that by your strength and power, we can begin to live these passages out, Lord. Lord, they breathe new life into us when lived out, Lord. They heal us, Lord, when lived out. They care for us, Lord. They restore in us people you want us to be, Lord. And they meet the needs of all those around us, Lord. So, Lord, please help us to learn how to apply these. Thank you for this wisdom, God, and we just thank you for everybody's week to come, Lord, and pray that you would bless it. Those who are seeking you, who are here today, who are trying to understand what this whole Christian life's about, Lord, we pray that they may be revealed through these passages to them. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and take the offering up. Um, one more time, I urge you to sign up for a small group. Now, if you have any questions about baptism, I'll be at the back table right after the service here. You can come up and talk with me. Or if you're just a guest and you haven't really met anybody, you may have a few questions about what's this church all about, what's going on here. You know, I'd be happy to answer any of those questions. Don't be afraid to come up to me. I'm not going to like sit you down and get you to sign up for something.